Hey guys, Jason Healy. And I apologize. Uh, we had a death in the family and a few other things happening. Uh, my wife and daughter had to run to Mexico uh, on an emergency uh, type thing. And so things have been a little crazy around here. And I haven't been able to get out the podcast like I like I wanted to for you guys. So um, today is uh, the first day where I can actually get back to work and do my thing. And originally I was going to be talking about barriers and body language and the things that are stopping stopping the sale. Because... And, and how to actually remove those barriers, uh, both physical and mental. Because as we all know, if we don't have control in the beginning, we don't have control at the end, and there will be no sale. But I went through a sales situation yesterday. I actually had to pick up another car for us. And I ran into a salesman, and some of the techniques the guy was using were, were pretty good, pretty incredible. I mean, I, I liked it. was smooth. He, he was he was working the system and and um, and working me and of course I knew what he was doing but I liked it and I was very impressed and so I wanted to share with you some of the things that he did the techniques that he was using and the reason why he was doing it so that you guys can turn around and use those um, and then of course next week we'll, we'll talk about body language and and, uh, and barriers and things like that um, but so first of all the, the salesman so uh, I'm, I'm looking for these cars I'm, I'm calling on them. I, I am sick of, of making phone calls. Um, I'm honestly next time I'm just gonna my personal assistant do it for me because it was just way, way too much effort, way too much time. Um, but anyways, so uh, I get all the sales guy, and at first I don't like him. I, honestly, I did not like the guy. Um, it, it, just the way he was was answering me, and um, so I was within like maybe. Five seconds of getting to the dealership and asking for another salesman. Like that's how, how little I like this guy. Um, and I met him. And so within three to five seconds, I liked the guy. What I think happened was he just wasn't very good on the phone. But, um, but he was a nice guy, really nice guy. And that's the thing. You have to get the client to like you within three to five seconds. You have to build that instant rapport that we've been talking about. He did that. And, and remember that not only... Um, did I not want to, to pay the money for a car because I never want to spend money? I didn't want to deal with that salesman. Three to five seconds, boom, I like this guy. Like He's a cool guy. All right, so so now I like him, right? So what happened? So the car that I went there to look at, the specific car, wasn't what I wanted. It just it just wasn't up to my standards. And, and on top of all of that, there's a loan to value on cars that a lot of people don't realize. This is the money aspect of it, right? And I'm always looking at the money. So I, I look at how much is the car worth and how much are they asking asking prices? Because there's no reason on earth any of us should come into a bad deal and pay more than something's worth, right? So this is called loan to value. So whether you're paying cash or whether you're paying a loan, it doesn't matter. You want to look at your loan to value. So um, there's there's a lot of apps on like uh, credit unions and banks that'll give you loan to value. And what that is is it basically tells you how much the car is worth blue book wise, and then how much uh, they're asking for, and then you just divide the difference, and it tells you if you're uh, 80% loan to value, which is where you want to be, or 90%, that's where you want to be, where you're paying less than its actual value. Or if you're 105, 110%, which is where you don't want to be, because you're paying 5 to 10% more than the car is worth. It means you're upside down. So this car's loan to value is 104%. So I'm paying 4% more than the car's worth. I don't want to do that. So I'm like, look, I'm sorry, man, it's 104%. And he goes, oh, yeah, but the bank only, no, no, yeah, I understand that. I'm good with that, and I can pay cash if I want to. Uh, but the truth is, is that I don't want to pay four percent more than somebody's worth. I'm upside down. I'm paying more than it's worth. Like nobody wants to do that. 
So he goes, all right, look, let me, let me see what I can do. I'm like, all right, let me go grab some lunch. Give me a call. So this is the thing that I liked about this guy. So he calls me back in about 30 minutes. He goes, look, I found a car for you. I'm like, all right. I goes, listen, I've been to three different lots. So just to explain, this is an auto nation. So they can go to all these different uh, car lots and they, they kind of share the inventory. He goes, I've been to three different car lots. He goes, I found the car you want. I'm like, all right. So, so what did this guy do? First of all, he didn't just let me walk away because honestly, let's face it, they didn't have what I wanted. I was paying more than it was worth. I'm tired. I, I'm, I, I don't give a damn about cars at this point. I'm going to have lunch. And then what's going to happen? I'm just going to figure, screw it. I'll, I'll, I'll have someone else buy a car for me later. Um, and he saw this. And so what did he do? He started working his butt off to get me what, what he knew I wanted as quickly as possible before that cooling off period fully, fully hit me. So many salespeople see a, a sale I'm like, oh, uh, the, guy, the guy either wants to think about it or, or it's not quite right for him or, or whatever the situation is and the salesman just kind of accepts it. Oh, okay. And then what does he do? He turns around and blames the client. No, it's the salesperson's fault. It is always our fault if we do not sell. Always. There's only one exception and that is if there is no money. And that's few and far between. I hear so many salespeople blaming all oh, they, they have no money, blah, blah, blah. BS. They, they didn't have the interest because the salesperson didn't put it in their head to have the interest. There's only very few situations where people don't actually have the money for something that they're looking for. And when that's the case, then they should be crying because they can't afford it. And that's the way you know you made a sale, but they didn't have money. If they're not crying or, or really upset that they couldn't afford something, then you still didn't sell. If they are and they don't have the money... Regardless what the numbers say, regardless of what your company says, you still made that sale. You made them want it. That's all the sale is. Transferring desire to somebody based on their wants and needs for, for a particular item, right? All right, so this guy went out of his way to make sure that the sale went through. So he, he, he checked three different lots. He found the car, right? Okay, brings it over. So now I'm thinking to myself, damn, like, if I don't get this car from this guy, I'm an asshole. <laughs> um, and that's what you want because, remember... We're not buying the, the product, right? We're buying the salesperson. And I like this guy. And he's going out of his way for me. And now I'm feeling like, damn, like, even if I don't get this car, I have to buy something from this guy because he's working so hard for me. Like, like he's going above and beyond anything I've seen a lot of salespeople do in a long time. So I'm in with this guy. All right, so I take a look at the car. Nice car. I'm like, all right, I'll take it. Great. So we're doing the paperwork and everything. So... Then, what does he do? And this was, this was I like this. I go, okay, and you know, it's low on gas. So I want to get a tank of gas. He goes, oh, I, I, they, don't give, uh, they don't give tanks of gas here. Now, now this is a takeaway. So what a takeaway is, is where you, you say no to something, uh, a person's request. And there's several ways of doing takeaways, by the way. So I'll go with that right now. Uh, you say no to the person's request for two reasons. Um, so either you're going to say no, and that will make them want it more. Like, for example... Let's say, well, the car, for example. All right, no gas. Well, of course you want gas. Like, you're buying, you're buying a car. The last thing you want to do is have to stop at a gas station and pay more money for gas, right? Just give me, give me the free gas. You know, I'm paying for it anyways. So um, you say no, you say no, and the person wants it even more. And then you look over your shoulder. Uh, then the, this is a, a technique for a takeaway, but it's also a secret sharing. So... Um, I'll explain the, the, the value of this in a moment. So then you kind of lean over quietly and say, listen, don't tell anybody, but I'll, I'll see that you get it. 
All right, this is one form of takeaway. But what you're really doing is you're, you're sharing a secret. You're leaning in quietly and, whisk, and, and saying it low voice like you don't want anybody to hear it. The, the client on the other end feels like they're, they're having a secret shared with them. And secrets bond people, right? Now, now it's an even bigger way of bonding. It's got to be done right, though. Um, and, that, and that helps with rapport also. It also makes the people some feel good, like he's getting special treatment. When in reality, this is standard operating procedure. I know for a fact that everybody gets gas from that, 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 that uh, dealership, right? But um, I was so impressed with the way he did it. You know, you, you let it slide. You're like, oh, I like this guy, right? I like, I, like, I like when people are good salespeople and use these techniques because it shows me that they care about their craft. So, um, so I'm like, all right, man, thank you. So um, he goes, listen, I'm going to sneak it out back. Don't say anything. You finish the paperwork. I'll get you gas, and we'll just keep this quiet. Like, all right, cool, man, thank you. Like, I know what he's doing, but cool. Like, I, I, like, I like that he's doing this, right? Um, so that's one, one type of takeaway. Um, the not, another type of takeaway, uh, which is used to actually make somebody want a sale. So let's say, for example, uh, we'll go back to timeshare, for example. I, I like timeshare. It's a, a good example. Um, let's say they're, they're buying a one-bedroom, um, and they're like, you know what? I want to get a two-bedroom. Well, you know at the price point they're at that they can get a two-bedroom, but you're selling them one-bedroom, right? So like, I want a two-bedroom. I'm like, no, you can't do it, man. I mean, this is, this is a one-bedroom. I go... Then you say, look, if I can get you a two-bedroom, and I'm not saying I can, I have no idea what we can do here, but if I can, do we have a deal? And you hold out your hand and you wait for them to shake it. That's a confirmation, right? Um, and this binds it in their mind also. And then they'll say yes. All right, well, you know you can get them a two-bedroom already, so you go to your manager, you screw around a little bit, pretend like you're talking to them, just tell them what's going on, right? Come back, say, great news, I got, I got, the, I got you the two-bedroom. So now you took it away from them. They can't have it. And then you gave it back to them. Now they feel, wow. Because if you remember when we were a kid, right? And we had a ball we were playing with. And then the kid in kindergarten or whatever wanted to play with that ball. And they took it away. Or we had a ball, excuse me, that we weren't playing with. Or maybe we hadn't played with for months. And the kid started playing with it. What happened? All of a sudden you wanted to play with that ball, right? You never thought about it for, for like months until you saw that kid playing with the ball. It's the same thing as else. Exact same thing. So this guy did the takeaway. He did his little secret, which I thought was pretty awesome that he knew that technique, right? It was one of my favorite techniques, by the way. I love the secret. Um, and there's so many ways of using that. Um, another way of using that, by the way, <clears throat> is let's say you've got a sales point of, let's say the item costs 5000 bucks, whatever it is, right? $5,000 um, price point. All right, so you tell them it's six thousand. I say no, and then you say, "Listen, you can get it for five thousand. Just don't say anything to anybody, but you tell them you want it for five thousand. Now they feel like they're help, you're helping them out, and in a way you are because you're not charging them six thousand, right? So they they get their five thousand. The manager comes, whatever they go look. I want it for five thousand flat. The manager looks at you. It's called Playhouse. Like, what's going on? How does he know they can get it for five thousand? Like, I didn't say anything. Say, I didn't say anything. Imagine knows that this is a playhouse, right? Everybody, everybody knows but the, but the customer. And the customer's like, no, I didn't say anything. He didn't say anything, but this is what I wanted for. And the manager hems and hawes, I'll give you for 5000 So what did you do? Now you share a secret with how to get the guy a better deal, right? Another bonding technique. Makes the guy feel like he wins, because you always want to feel like you win in, in any situation. It's just human nature. And we all deserve to win, I think. Um, so that's another form of the technique. <laughs> Uh, the secret type technique. And it's a great technique for, for a lot of reasons. 
And there's so many things you can do with it. Um, so I, I really like it. It's also great if people aren't paying attention to you. Because you're going to lean in. You're going to say something in a lower voice. And what's going to have to happen? They need to lean in to listen to that that technique. But but here's the thing. by Your, your body follows... Your, your mind follows your body. It's not the other way around. So many people feel that the... Uh, the, the thoughts create the body language. So, for example, they think that if a person's nervous um, and holding a purse on their, 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 their lap, that the action of holding the purse on the lap is because they're nervous, when in fact the actual reverse is true. When you have a woman sitting there with a purse on her lap, you need to get it off her lap quickly. Have her put it on a chair next to her, whatever you need to do, because the action of having that purse on her lap Guarding her um, is going to actually create the nervousness in her mind. The mind follows the body's cues, not the other way. So, by having the guy lean in and listen intently, you're actually um, hitting the mind, like, hey, pay attention, find interest. And the mind will actually start getting interested because the person's body is mimicking what he would be doing if he was interested. And if you think this is silly, the next time you feel kind of uh, um, sad or depressed, right? I want you guys to look up, take a deep breath, put on a big smile. It doesn't matter if it's real or not. And you're going to notice instantly that you feel happy. In fact, it's almost impossible psychologically not to feel happy when you smile. So um, that's a little way of, of showing to you guys that the mind follows the body, not the other way. All right. So then what he did, uh, aside from the little secret and the takeaway, which I loved because this showed me that he cared about his fellow salesman, and that he was professional. So I'm sitting there, and no, uh, this car didn't come with a warranty. I, I don't care about the warranty because half the time the warranty doesn't cover the things that break anyway. So I'm not about to pay extra for a warranty. It just doesn't make sense for me. So, anyways, um, so he comes by. He goes, "Listen." He goes, "When you go in there, they're going to ask you about the warranty and things like that. This car doesn't have a warranty, just to let you know." So he goes, "I would get something, but I get it on the side. I'm just saying it, but don't tell anybody." All right. So, again, another little secret, right? But, I okay, cool. Having no intention of getting the warranty. And then what he did, which was brilliant, and I loved it, is he had a piece of paper saying, no warranty, big, big, bold letters. And he said, just just sign here. Showing that I'm signing no warranty. Okay. So, that paper was bogus. It had no purpose at all, except for one purpose very important for the sale. It was making me confirm that I had no... no um, no warranty in my mind. And he planted the seed. My God, what happens if something breaks, right? Now, I know for a fact it's not going to affect anything. But someone that doesn't, that seed's planted. And I just signed my name, which did two things. In my mind, I'm confirming that I have no warranty, right? And I'm starting to think about that. So what he's doing is he's setting up the, the finance guy to make a sale as well. Very professional way it should be done. So by planting that seed, it gives the finance guy a really good shot at, at selling a warranty to me, right? Um, but there's another benefit to signing your name, and this is something that I love. And I used to have people sign their name um, a couple of times on, on BS stuff. The reason is is because the mind is programmable. We, we follow habits. So for example, um, and, and this is kind of a, a dark example, um, but I want to show you just how easily this kind of a, a behavior can be, can be used on people um, and to what extent so that you can realize um, how you can use it in a much more <laughs> ethical way. Uh, but the Nazis, 
um, created a, a, what's what I want to use, like a, not programs, but um, studies, right, where they actually hooked people up to electricity. And they had um, these Nazi scientists. Now, these were Nazi scientists. These were not the good guys, right? So they were, they were basically killing people, uh, seeing how much electricity uh, someone could take before they died. All right. But years later, scientists were listening to oh, the Nazis were just following orders, blah, 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 and thinking, well, maybe they could have been programmed to follow orders because the Nazis were masters at mind, mind manipulation. In fact, unfortunately, a lot of the techniques that they used back then, a lot of world governments use today. And, um, but anyways, that aside, so these scientists decide, well, let's see what we can do. So they bring in regular people, people like you and me, just good people that have never hurt anybody, never would dream of hurting anybody. They dress up in the lab coats because lab coats uh, have an authority figure, right? We, we see doctors and, and scientists as authorities. And the thing about authority figure is we're much more likely to do what they say because they're an authority. Okay. So they told the person that um, by hooking up, I guess this is going to be a long podcast, by hooking up... Um, electricity the person in the next room they're going to be asking questions every time they get an answer wrong or they don't answer they have to administer mild electricity very mild and they're just going to increase a little bit each time okay so the people thought nothing of it they never thought at what point does it stop now here's the thing there was nobody in the other room at all um, it was just a, a, a machine right so they would they would hit the voltage and, and, and the button and the people would like give out a little ow, you know, and gradually they'd increase. But on the thing, it said lethal dosage on the, on the dollies people were playing with, right? And again, there was no electricity, no nothing. This was just an experiment. Do you know that 95% of the people, against their will, because they were ordered to by the doctor, administer lethal dosage? And the reason that was is simply because they were told to. Because each action they had done before had forced compliance, making it easier to do the next action. So there's a lot of techniques on this, and this is something I'd like to get into later, where if you're having a, a person that's not doing what they're supposed to do or giving it a real rough time, <clears throat> you can actually do little techniques to get them used to listening to you or techniques used to buying. But one of these techniques is signing your name. Because what do we do at the end of the sale? We sign our name, right? We sign our name on the line to actually buy whatever it is we're trying to buy. So before that, you get the person used to signing their name on, on just stupid things. Like, oh, this is a survey. You just signed that, that, that way we did it. Timeshare is a good example because they do a survey. They ask you, you know, uh, how you vacation, uh, all, all these different questions about, about your vacation lifestyle. Then you have them sign it just saying that that's their, their words, right? This is, this is your, your answers and I didn't make anything. I'm just going to sign, guys. Well, they'll sign it. But nobody cares if it's signed or not. What you're doing is getting them used to signing their name. The more they sign their name, the easier it gets next time uh, at the end of the sale for them to actually sign their name on the dotted line. It's just, it's just pre-programming. So what this guy did was he had me sign my name on the, on the warranty, which made me realize that I had no warranty. So that, that put that in my mind. It was a, a definite, like... I'm committing to having no warranty. Wait a minute. Like, what's up? I, I, I want a warranty. Like, what if something breaks? Now I'm nervous, right? Which I'm not, but this is how, how the technique works. Um, the only difference is that I know. And on top of it, I'm signing my name, which is pre-framing my brain to sign again at the closing. So it was a double-edged sword, and it was done so well. And I'm like, wow, Like I love this guy's techniques. 
Um, I love the guy, you know. But when I see these kind of techniques being used, I'm like, because so many salespeople don't use these techniques. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is how you make the most money possible. Learn your trade. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, enjoy it. Have fun with it. And this guy, this guy loved, like, the game. Like, it was, yeah, like, I know he needed the money, but he loved the, the, he loved the game like I do. And I respected him. And I liked his techniques. And I just wanted to share some of these things with you guys. And I hope that they made sense. I know I kind of rambled a little bit left and right because when I get excited, I tend to do that. Um, <clears throat> but start using some of these techniques. Like, you know, we, we talked about the rapport. We talked about um, signing the name uh, to get them used to it. On just something BS, you know, do it before the sale or do it, do it to commit to the next guy. We talked about setting up the, the, the next salesperson's chance of, of adding to the sale. So do that. Um, you know, um, we talked about takeaways. Try, try doing some of those. You know, another technique that happened too was, um, you know, when you say, oh, can I get this? And, well, I don't know if I can get it or not, but if I can get it, do we have a deal? Now you're forcing it because the last thing you want to do is go to a manager and ask him 50,000 things and then have no sale. Like it's, it's BS for the manager, it's BS for you and the clients playing games. So you want to get a commitment from them. You know, you're getting that commitment. Like if I can do this, is there anything else we need? And do we have a sale? Um, um, hold on. And... Um, so that's that. So I know this was a lot longer than normal, but there was a lot of things I want to share with you guys, um, a lot of cool things. So go ahead and try some of these techniques. Play with them for the next week, and then next week I'll come out with, we'll talk about body language uh, and some barriers. I'm probably going to break it up because barriers and body language are very extensive topics. So I think I'll probably talk about physical barriers first because I kind of like that subject. And it takes the most courage to overcome those, those barriers. So I'll show you guys some techniques on how to do that. And then we'll talk about body language in the next in the next uh, next podcast, or maybe the podcast after that, depending how long we have to go over barriers. All right, guys, have a great day. I apologize for for uh, taking so long. So this is actually twice the length of time. So technically, it should count for two two weeks, I think. Um, but have fun, and I, I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Bye right, bye.